Shirt falling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Cantona! I don't believe it! Well left by York, fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole from Dwight York. Fantastic goal for Manchester United. Can Manchester United score? They always score. Gets with a shot, Sheringham! I think an appropriate place to start is to discuss the current team, if that's alright. How much of the current team have you watched this season? What's your view on Solskjaer and the team's um, progression? I've watched a bit, you know, I've watched uh, a fair bit. Uh, he's got a big job on record. Uh, it's going to take him five years to to get us back to where we can challenge. You know, there's not a lot to beat, by the way. There's just not a lot to beat. I mean, Liverpool are winging a prayer where they are. They've had so much luck, so many breaks. It's incredible. So there's not a lot to beat. And he's on the right road. He just needs time. Just let him get on with it. I think he's still got to get rid of a lot of players, which I'm sure he knows himself, and and bring some new new faces in. And we can only hope that in the meantime, I think he's the right guy. Uh, you know, he just give him time and let him get on with what he's doing. You mentioned there that it's a five-year job, potentially. Now, you, like me, you know what it's like in modern sports, the impatience of fans, the board. Do you think you'll get that time? I don't. I, I think so. I think the fans understand. I mean, it's been a nightmare run. I mean, Alex left us with... The squad was not clever that he left. And then Moyes was... Well, Moyes was a disaster. He was the wrong guy. Um, of course, the, the two after him, Including Mourinho, I thought Mourinho might come here and change his tactics and play attacking football, and, and he did the opposite. And you know, all he—he's taken on arguably the worst squad in the history of the club. So what does he do? You know, what what he did when he first came was a miracle. You couldn't have you couldn't have written that. What he, the, the matches we won, and it, it just needs time. I think he's the right guy. I think they all want to play for him. Uh, it, it's time, and I think the fans understand that. You know, they're not stupid. The fans understand it's going to take time and you're going to have to change players. You're going to have to get rid of players first. Uh, that's the biggest problem. The wages that are on here at Old Trafford are, are crazy. Nobody else will take them. It's just how long it, it takes. I hope so. Anyway. I mean, obviously, I hope so. It's uh, I like the lad and we're all behind him. That's for sure. Where do you see uh, Paul Pogba's future lying? That's... That's a debate not that here. divides. Do, do you think <laughs> it's story, not here. Do you think it's time to <laughs> think it's time to move him on? Move him on. I removed him on a year ago. He is uh, no, not for many. He's he's average anyway. But he is a nightmare and he's caused so many problems for managers and he will continue to do that. So now the sooner we get rid of him the better. I think for me I have seen very little to suggest that he is a 90 million player. <laughs> Why do you think Alex gave him away? Alex knew. Of course. The man is no fool. He's an average, he's an average player. He's, he's average. He, you know what? He's, he used to call him Scotland. A terrible ball player. <laughs> if you're 5-0 up or 6-0 up, but when you're in there fighting, you can't find a Mereda. He's not for me. 
obviously. I think you can tell that. I can tell that. He's not on his own, Jimmy. You know, there's there's a lot of others that need to go. The art of football, what King Herod was to babysit, they are a nightmare. He's getting rid of them. He's getting rid of them. I mean, look at the state of Sanchez. I mean, they're having to pay half his wages just for somebody to take him. And they're talking about him coming back. <laughs> I hope he comes back as the, as the boot man, <laughs> cleaning the boots. He's useless. So, the best place for him is where he is. So, no, don't want him back. We've got enough problems getting rid of the other stuff without having him back. So, we'll have to wait and see. This is a good, you know, I mean, horrible. This bloody virus is obviously horrible. But at least it's given them a chance to look at things and plan and say, okay, this is what we, this is who we need to get rid of. This is who we'd like to bring in if we can. And it's given them a chance. So, and you know, the last couple of games, it wasn't too bad. But I said, there's nothing to beat. There's nothing to beat, I promise you. I, I guarantee you, whatever happens this year, Liverpool won't win the league next year. I think United have to get their recruitment spot on. Well, of course, but I mean, you have to back his judgment. That's what you have to do. You know, that's why they brought him in. And you have to back his judgment. What he see, he was a good player himself. You know, the different Mourinho could play. Van der Sar, whoever he played, couldn't play. Uh, Moyes couldn't play. So you you have to appreciate he could he can play. He could play. He was a great player, the lad. So he knows what he's looking for, and it, hopefully it'll be attacking people, attacking players, uh, and people take people on and create create chances and make it exciting again that's what Old Trafford's all about I have a lot of fan questions uh, for this interview I hope that's okay we got a great response yeah, no problem um, one fan asks what's it like knowing that the United fans still sing your song to this day that must fill you with great pride it's uh, you know it, it's it makes you very humble the fact that they still remember it's a long time ago you know, it really is a long time ago. And yeah, it's, well, it gives me shivers down my back. Obviously, you played with some greats. I could I could be here for the next hour reeling off names. I'm not going to do that. But who would you say was the greatest? The greatest that I played with or against or... Uh, with. With. Um, you know, I'm on record as saying that the best player that I... Not the best player... There were so many great players. You, you know, you have to appreciate you're talking about Bobby Charlton, George Best, Dennis Law, Pat Crand. There were just loads of great players. Uh, and that was only Man United. There were great players at Burnley. And the player that, for me, was uh, outstanding, and uh, especially for me, he played behind me. Now, you will probably remember, you'll be too young, Jimmy, but he was a right half. <laughs> there was no midfield as such. <laughs> he was a right half, and he was called Brian O'Neill. And he was a fabulous... And all he did was win the ball, give it to me, and, you know, I did the rest of it, apparently. That's, they were all great. If I had someone I wanted to be have with me, you're talking about in the trenches, it'd be Brian O'Neill. It's funny you say that, actually. I got a, I got a message today on Twitter. One one lad wanted me to ask about Brian O'Neill. Oh, did he? Okay. He, uh, he was a great player and a, and a great guy. 
So he's living down in Southampton now. I think he's still down there praying. Um, I haven't spoke to him for a while. But that's that's why the ones that I've played with and people that I've played against, I mean, Mike, again, you can reel off, I can sit here all night, Jimmy Greaves, Bobby Moore, you know, all Dave Mackay, um, Danny Blanchflower. There were so many great players, but the greatest were, of all was Pelly, of course. You know, I played against Pelly a couple of times, and uh, he he was he was no world of his own. He he was stupidly good, a little bit like Lionel Messi. Very very little difference between them. They were both both light years ahead of everyone else. The last time we spoke, we spoke about Don Revy. We spoke about Leeds. Um, mm-hmm. I know you were very close to. To joining Leeds, in fact, I was. I'd already agreed to join them. Yeah. Can you tell our Can you tell our listeners a bit about that? Just how close were you to joining Revy and Leeds? Well, the um, it was in the close season when I had asked Burnley for a pay rise, and you know, you're not talking about three hundred thousand. You're talking about thirty quid or something. And so all through the summer. They were negotiating and then they wouldn't do it at the end. And in those days, there was no freedom of contract. You know, the club owned you. Burnley owned me. They do what they want with you. And um, the pre-season started. They wouldn't let me train. Uh, they wouldn't allow me down to the club. And they, the only time they called me in, uh, they said that what they wanted to... The whole reason was what they wanted to do. If you ask for a transfer, if you went to the club, put it right, ask for a transfer, you got nothing from the transfer. If the club transferred you, you got 10%. So what Bob Lord wanted me to do was obviously ask for a transfer so I wouldn't get anything. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. But they did call me in and say, at that time, I nearly went back to Celtic, first of all, um, twice when I was 15. I nearly went to Celtic, and then when I went to Man U, oh, not for Man U, when I was 18 and turned pro at 18, uh, again, Jimmy Steen came in, and my dad desperately wanted me to go and play for Celtic. And uh, I nearly did, but long story short, I didn't. And then again, when I went to Man U, when I was 23 then, uh, Jock came back in, and I actually went up and had a look around Celtic Park. Took my dad, which made his life. And uh, you know, it just I didn't want to go back to live in Scotland. And so the other teams at the time, Spurs, Chelsea, I, I had to pick of all the teams in the league. They kept coming in and making offers. And apparently, Burnley were asking. There were a hundred thousand at the time, which was a massive amount. And Don Revy contacted me and said, we've approached Burnley and we've offered them 70,000. But obviously there's 15,000 for you. <laughs> so you can ask for a transfer and you still get your money. And I said, well, okay, that sounds good. Um, he said, have they mentioned uh, that uh, we've been in? I said, no, they haven't. <laughs> because Bob Lord, and I think he was called Manny Cousins, the chairman of Leeds, they they hated each other, um, so they they never actually told me that Leeds had come in and made an offer. So Don said, "Look, if you're prepared to wait, 
at some stage, if you just keep saying no to everyone, they're going to have to sell you to us. And I said, okay. And then three or four weeks later, I was, you know, United came in and too long a story to go through the whole story. And I went down to Old Trafford, saw Matt, met Matt and Jimmy Murphy. And he just said, you know, we'd love to have you here. And do you think that you would like to come? And so I just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And on my way home, I thought, oh, what am I going to tell Don Brown? Because <laughs> I liked Don very much. Uh, afterwards, I mean, after all this had finished, I actually played golf with Don up in Scotland, in Kern Ross. He was a nice guy. That's why I joined United. It was very simple. I actually joined them without knowing what they were going to pay me, Jimmy. Yeah. When I got home, my wife said to me, you know, oh, well, what are they going to pay you? I said, but I didn't like you ask him. <laughs> it didn't seem appropriate. And he said, you didn't ask him? I said, no. I said, but I'll ask him tomorrow. This was a Friday night, by the way. And they were playing Chelsea on Saturday at Old Trafford. And I went down Saturday morning and I signed. And I thought, oh, I'll get a copy of the contract and see what they're going to pay me. And they said, oh, you get your copy on Monday. We have to send it away to get counted. <laughs> so I went back home again. She said, well, I, said, I couldn't see what it was. <laughs> I won't know till Monday. So I actually signed for Man United without knowing what I was going to get paid. I know, crazy, isn't it? That's, that's, that's funny, that is. It's true. It's <laughs> absolutely true. Your wife wasn't too happy, I'd say. Well, she'd be happy once I got my contract on the Monday. Because it was the highest, play, highest paid player in the country. It was phenomenal compared to what I was getting paid. I was the highest paid player at Old Trafford, obviously. But I wasn't the highest paid player in the country. So I, I paid more tax than anybody else as well, though, Jimmy. When you reflect on your career, Don Revy came in, Johnny Giles joined, he brought you players like Billy Bremner, Norman Hunter. Do, yeah. Do you have any, do you ever, do you have any regrets that you didn't go to Leeds? No, the only, you know, again, over the years, I've said many times, I joined the right club at the wrong team. Yeah. Leeds were on the up, and they were a very good team. I mean, they were dirty, they were filthy, but they were a, they were a great team. Um, and United just won the, the European Cup, but a lot of the players were at the end of their careers. But, as I've said, I joined the right club, I wouldn't change it, and even now, I wouldn't change it, even if I could have done. Uh, the right club with the wrong team. So, Obviously, it was always going to be tough for Sir Alex Ferguson's successors. I mean, I think a decline was inevitable to agree, but do you think that United's decline in the last seven years mirrors that of post-Busby and McGuinness? I think that, you know, as I said earlier on, you know, we won the league that year. But again, we did what Liverpool are doing now. We won it in a wing and a prayer. A number of times we scored in the last minute. We won 1-0, 1-2-1. But it wasn't a great squad. It wasn't a great squad that Alex left. And, OK, David Moyes. I mean, he made it worse when he bought... Was it Fellaini? My God. He wouldn't have got a game for the local pub down here. So, um, it was different with... When Matt, when Matt retired and gave Wilf the job, you know, it, it was completely new to a point from within the club just to promote someone. 
It was a completely new idea. And the idea was great. Unfortunately, Wilfred wasn't the right man. Uh, that, that was the only reason it didn't work. Wilf wasn't the right man. So, but the idea was good. And the, the other thing was that, as we know, a lot of the players were coming to the end of their careers. Um, which, you know, that's why Matt wanted a young guy in, just like we've got Ollie now. Come in with your own ideas and, you know, you're full of enthusiasm. I said, I think Ollie is the right guy. Unfortunately, Wilf wasn't. So that's why it took so long. Um, but everything goes in cycles. We'll be back. We'll be back. I have no doubt we will be back. Um, a lot of questions come in about Matt Busby. Um, yeah. A lot of readers are curious about Matt. So let's talk about Matt for a moment. Just how great was Busby? How great was he? He was the best of all time. And he was... He's an exceptionally lovely, lovely human being, uh, Matt and all his family. Uh, we, we we played a lot of golf together. I started off playing golf with him, Buddy Crown, on a Sunday. That was, that was a four, and a guy called Martin Flynn, an Irish lad. And uh, that was a four ball down at, at Northenden where Matt played at the time. And then I, I joined the Mir. And then Matt joined Mia, and then we got a, we had a new regular four ball. We used to play three or four times a week, and he got his one and only ever hole in one at Mia on the uh, on the twelfth hole. So, but he was, you know, they, they say, oh, he must have been a genius. You know, his knowledge of football. No, his knowledge was just about people and players. He knew what blend he wanted. So that's what he bought. Matt, there was no tactics. Not he just say, "Oh, you've been Spurs today. They're a good team. You know, keep your eye on Alan Gilsey. You know, keep your eye on them. But you're better than them. So just enjoy yourself." And that was it. There, there was no team. Talk, there was no tactics. He never came in at half time. That's fascinating. Uh, he came in at full time. Invariably, you know, we were still winning. Um, but the odd time we didn't. Uh, and I'm, I'm, as a new boy, I'm sat there thinking, oh, my God. And then he come and say, look, thanks, you've done your best. And, you know, go and have a nice weekend and take the wife out for a meal and we'll see you on Monday. Don't let it worry you. I just thought, oh, my God. <laughs> it made you worse. <laughs> because you felt so sorry that you let him down. So his man management was phenomenal. But he was very quiet. Never raised his voice. Ever. Never heard him swearing, which is unusual in football. So, and I never heard anyone swear in front of him, which is also unusual in football. So, he was, he was for me, and for many, the greatest manager of all time. You touched on Jimmy Murphy a few moments ago, and... Jimmy, yeah. I read before that George Best actually put United's decline down to the fact that Murphy was moved from a coaching role to a scouting role. Mm, I don't know where George actually well, I I've not seen that anywhere. Jimmy wasn't a coach. There was no coaching at Old Trafford. Jimmy was just Matt's right-hand man. That's all. There was no coaching. There was no tactics from Jimmy. Nothing. He just, he just happened to make a great partnership um, and Jimmy was just like Matt, 
you, you know, you wanted to win for him. He was very enthusiastic, typical little Welsh guy. He, he was great, Jim. Um, but no, he didn't coach. He never coached. No, it was nothing to do with the decline at all. The, the only sad thing is that Jimmy didn't take over from Matt. That would have been perfect if it could have just carried on. I think that would have been the natural progression. But, well, but Jimmy didn't want to. He wanted to, to go with Matt. So it wasn't that they didn't want, you know, obviously. They were thick as thieves. Jimmy and Matt were thick as thieves. They were great friends. Um, every player loved Jimmy as well as they loved Matt. Um, they thought they were doing the right thing at the time. Uh, I said, unfortunately, it was the wrong person. It was the right thing. It was just the wrong person. So the rest is history, James. I'm curious to ask about George Best. I know you were good friends with George. Do you have any funny yep. stories? Do you have any funny stories that you could share of you two for our readers? <laughs> and keep it and keep it we PG. Got, we we got you know and some have been written in a lot of garbage. The first the first person the one thing I asked for I said I like number seven shirt and of course George played in the number seven shirt and Matt said yeah okay you've got it uh, and I thought well you know best is not going to be upset on the first Monday morning when I, after I signed I reported for training at the cliff and all the lads everyone came over and said you know it's great to have you Look forward to you being here. And Best said, what are you doing afterwards, after training? Because we finished at 12 o'clock. And uh, I said, no, I'm not doing nothing. It's going to be going by home. So he said, can I take you for some lunch? And uh, we went up into Manchester and he went for some lunch. And he said, look, you know what it's going to be like? I said, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, he said, I just want to be friends. I said, we'll be friends. And and when we finished, he said, "By the way, <laughs> hope that number eleven shirt's not too heavy." <laughs> I said, "Okay, no, it won't be." But we, no, we stories. We were just happy, you know. We had lots of great times. All that stuff about George being a, a George wasn't a booster when he was playing. You know, it, it was, there was a few boosters at the in the team, but George wasn't one of them. Um, it was only after he finished, uh, when he moved to London, that, that was the killer for George. If he had stayed in Manchester, George would still be here. That's what I think. Because he had great friends up here. Um, and he moved to London and, you know, fell into gambling and drinking and because he was lonely. So, but George is a great guy. Absolutely great guy. From speaking to you, and I obviously, I don't know you personally, but it seems like you really love to reminisce about those times with George and your career. Oh, the, yeah, all the players. I mean, we all got on so well. Uh, 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 when we went away, when we were on the road, obviously, the night after a match, if you play in London, then you stay there all the night. And our group were Bestie, me, Crerand, Law, Dave Sadler and Alex Stepney. That was our band. And we went everywhere to get the pictures or wherever we were going. We all went together. It, it was just a happy, very, very happy, uh, happy club. And everyone got on well. 
Hi, this is Ken Doherty, and you're listening to Red Devil Talk, the podcast with Jimmy Williams. I know that you're a big snooker fan. What was your biggest break? My biggest break was 108 or something, 109. Really? Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, I, no, I was a good player. I've made loads of, of centuries. Um, never made one, one four one. Were any of one four one four seven? I beg your pardon. But my, uh, of course, uh, you probably know. You know, Hurricane was um, Godfather to Hurricane's kids, and. Uh, I saw saw a lot of Alex. We played a lot of golf together, and uh, he had a snooker table at home. I used to play with him. I used to go around his house and you know play snooker with him. And what he used to do, I mean, he had he had cues. In the old days, the cue was 14, 15 ounces, 16, 16, 17 being heavy. Alex had cues like 24, 25 ounces. The way to but you could make the ball. The things he could do. He, he, he again. He was a great guy. Uh, I loved him very much. When I hear Alex Higgins, all I think of is that shot on the blue into the green pocket with, yeah. with reverse side, and it hit the cushion, and it checked back against itself back down the table. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I must be honest. I don't remember. But I, I was. Um, I was with him when he won the, the championship with Preston. Uh, he 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 was just a great player, you know. He was his own worst enemy. In the end, he he was struggling because he needed a drink to play. He got to a stage he was, he was very very nervous, and he needed a drink to play. So, and he never, you know, he never had a car. Could drive. Alex couldn't drive. <laughs> he was taken everywhere. So, but we had lots of great times on the golf course. He loved he loved his golf. Were any of the United boys good at snooker? George was a good player. Was he? Uh, George could play. Yeah, there was a few of them good. Um, well, there was nothing else to do. Once you finish training, you either go to the bookies, go to the golf course, or go to the snooker hall. So, yeah, I mean, most footballers back in that year, they were working class lads. Jimmy. Yeah. And I mean, I before I was twelve year old, I used to go down to Socky Hall, uh, where they had about six, six or eight snooker tables, and they played snooker and billiards. So I learned to play at a young age. Um, and most of the other lads were the same. And Bessie was always good at table tennis. Good table tennis player, George. So, but he never took up golf. That was another thing. I still think he's, again, if you're taking up golf and give him something, you know, when you finish playing, it's very difficult because the highs, walking out of Old Trafford, the highs are phenomenal. The buzz when the crowd start singing your name and singing your songs and things, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And when you finish playing uh, and don't stay in the game, which most of us from that era didn't, um, it's very hard to get to get high again and I don't mean high drunk <laughs> I mean high, high otherwise um, and golf yeah it's a little you know it gives you a little bit 
hit one of those shots or you sink one of those putts. It, it was a great saviour for, for a lot of the old players. I guess uh, when you're transitioning out of the game, like I said, I suppose you're looking at alternative ways to recapture those highs that you've just mentioned. You can't recapture them. No possible. You can't recapture them. That's probably the danger of the perception that, that alcohol can give you. Well, the the thing is nowadays, I mean, most of them stay in the game. Uh, and as, as a manager, I would imagine you, you'll get a similar, a similar high as a manager. But we didn't do that. I mean, with hindsight, yeah, I offered jobs at the time and I turned them down because I thought I was you know, doing the right thing. Um, would I turn the clock back? Uh, maybe, maybe. You know, it's all right criticising people, but unless you put your money where your mouth is. And a little bit too old now, probably, but I would still like the challenge of going into management because I, I do believe implicitly and walk into any club and turn them around um, but I'll never get that chance because you need a coaching badge yeah it's all qualifications and well, cert- why, why would you buy a player you have to tell how to play it's all badges and certs and paper now isn't that's it that's what coaches do why would you buy a player then you have to tell them how to play don't buy them you buy the end product that's what all the old great managers you know Busby Joe Mercer Bill Shankly Don Revy they bought the end product, and all it was, will he blend in, will he fit into the team? Well, he fit into my team, and that's all it was. They never told you how to play, ever. Now, they're paying 200 million for the players, they say, well, you know. Malcolm Allison started it off. He was one of the first coaches when he bought, was it Daly from Wolves? Um, he was called Daly. Uh... And his quote, the lad had been an offer at Wolves for, I don't know, a couple of years. And Wolves wanted 400 grand for him, which was a lot of money then. And when Malcolm Allison got the job at Man City, he went out and paid 1.4 million for him or something, something stupid. <laughs> and uh, his quote the following day, and only to sum up how a coach thinks, give me a year and I'll make him a player. Well, wait a minute, you just paid a record fee for this guy. And you need a year to make him a player. But it's busy. that's coaches, that's the mentality. Invariably, most of the co- people who couldn't play themselves become coaches. So, sadly, uh, that's why you watch the game now. It's, I mean, you stand up, cheer when the ball goes forward. In my, in my day, you never turn back under pain. You went forward and took people on. That was your job, as a, as a, you know, up front. But nowadays, they can be on the edge of the opponent's box and it end up back with their own goalkeeper. And I don't understand that uh, mentality. It's not quite the same. Apart from Messi, I think he is, along with Pelly, it'd be hard to separate them. He is the greatest of the great he's a super super player I just have three more questions if that's okay yeah um, sure. they are three fan questions um, one fan asks do you think you'd enjoy playing in this era uh, I think I would enjoy the ball I think I would enjoy 
or maybe not the colour, but soft boots. Yeah. <laughs> and I would certainly enjoy playing on grass. Would you wear the pink boots? No, I would not. <laughs> but I'd like to play on the grass. The pitches are amazing. If you look at some of the old footage on YouTube of... Uh, there's a lot of stuff on there with me. Some of the pitches, they're just all mud. Just sheer mud. The... Uh, Nowadays, they're, they're like bowling greens. They're unbelievable. And yes, am I jealous? I'm jealous of the pitches. Would I want to play with these players? No. I'm happy with the players that I played with. I don't think we can argue with that. Um, if you could relive one moment from your career, if you could do it again, what would it be? One moment? Okay. Um, oh, my God. I think of all... The, Two greatest moments, obviously, walking out on that Wednesday night at Old Trafford for the first time, and you know the fans singing straight away was fantastic. It's a feeling that you know, once in a lifetime. And the only other one to compare with that was the night we beat Czechoslovakia and to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, with Scotland, obviously, for the first time in, I don't know, 80 years or something. Uh, that was phenomenal, a phenomenal feeling as well. So those two, but I mean, there's been so many, many, many great moments. Uh, um, but those two, if I had to pick two, I think. Willie, you're a gentleman, I really enjoyed that. It's a pleasure, Jimmy. Any time at all, pal. Thanks very much. Let me know if you need anything with the website or any help right that. Mind yourself, take it easy. Okay, Jim, take care. Stay bye safe, bye. all the best, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Harry Pallister calling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Cantona! I don't believe it! Well left by York, fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole from Dwight York. Fantastic!